0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today on Vertical Vision. Have you ever felt like you just didn't want to go to church? Have you ever been disappointed with church? Have you ever been dissatisfied with church? Well, if you have, that's something that a lot of people deal with, a lot of people face. And it's such an extensive issue that there's actually a term for people who have left the church for one reason or another. Uh, and that, that term is dechurched. They don't belong anywhere. They don't go anywhere. A long time ago I heard uh, a phrase that people said where I love Jesus but I hate the church. And at the time I really never quite could grasp it. You know, how could you not like going to church? And for me, just from my background, um, I had the the privilege and the blessing of, of really growing up uh, in my more adult years of church in a very good, very solid, wonderful church environment. And even was brought on staff as an assistant pastor there. And those were some great years. Uh, I was eventually sent to plant a church and uh, the same thing. Just really a wonderful time, wonderful people, wonderful ministry, wonderful memories. Uh, and this isn't to say that those churches were perfect and everything, you know, was was the way it should be. Um, but they were good churches. And it was a joy to go to church and to be in church. Um, but at one point a door opened up for me to become a pastor at a different church. And uh, I was stepping into a church that had been established for a long time. And, unbeknownst to me, there were a lot of problems. Uh, So, initially, everything looked great. uh, But as time went on and the long-standing issues and problems began to surface, Uh, and began to uh, manifest themselves, um, I began to understand why people hated church, why people didn't want to be around Christians. Uh, And after a few years pastoring that church, God led me to uh, go ahead and step out of ministry for a while, uh, primarily because uh, me and my family uh, needed some healing. And for the first time in my life, I understood why people hated going to church. I even really dreaded going to church, and I was the pastor. And that's a scary place to be. So what, what I feel that um, we need to cover here, because this is such a prevalent issue today, uh, is why do people leave the church? Why do we need to go to church, and how do we fix this problem? What does God want us to do? And, and I hope that as we go through this, it, it gives you some, some insight and some direction regarding these things. And you know, maybe some of these issues uh, regarding church are going to hit real close to home for you, and I hope uh, the solutions for them are, are a blessing to you. Uh, so, so why do people leave the church? There's a lot of different reasons. Um, one of the big reasons, I think, is motivation. Um, not that we're not motivated to go to church, but what is our motivation for going to church? Why are we there? What are our expectations? What do we want? Because if we have our motivation based in things other than Christ or uh, ministry and, and being used by the Lord and worship, Uh, we're probably going to get disappointed. We're going to get discouraged. And uh, a lot of people just pack up and leave. Um, One of the motivating factors for people is, you know, it's just what you're supposed to do. There are a lot of folks out there today that grew up in church. That's just what you did. Uh, There's places in, in America where church is just a part of culture. I heard the term cultural Christianity several years ago and it's just a part of life. You're not necessarily a Christian but you're an American, you're in the Bible Belt, you go to church that's what life is all about. But that's not a good reason. You know, if it's just because you're supposed to do it uh, that's not much of a motivation there. Uh, Another reason people go is because they want to study the Bible. They want to worship God with the family of God, but a lot of times you go to church and uh, the teaching is pretty weak. It's empty. It's shallow. It's light. The worship can be dead. Um, and I'm not talking about I'm not talking about preference of style or things like that, but. You know, you can, you know, there's a big, you know, argument about, you know, hymns and worship songs and such. You know, if there's not a heart of worship behind either type of worship and praise, uh, it's going to fall flat. And so, you know, people go in expecting to get fed and to connect with God and worship with other believers, and it doesn't happen. And after a while, you just get disappointed and discouraged and You know, it's like, why even bother to go to church? Um, And and in this day and age where you've got the the internet and uh, virtual church online, you don't even have to bother with going to church. You don't have to deal with the hustle and bustle of getting there, finding a parking space, getting the kids ready, get the family ready, making sure you've got your act together, um, looking good, uh, dealing with people. You can just tune in. And do your thing, and then go on about your day. And so there's this this attitude of just disappointment in in receiving from from the Lord. You know, at church, uh, another big reason people go to church is because they want to connect with other people. They want to build relationships. And sadly, within the church as a whole, um, this is I think really really lacking. Uh, I kind of see it as uh, if, if you're going to a church or you're visiting a church, um, it's kind of like being a new kid going to a new school for the first time or going to a new job and you don't know anybody or maybe you might know a few people a little bit, but you're not a part of a group, you're not a part of a, a, a clique, and so you're just kind of floundering trying to fit in and find where your place is. And a lot of churches you know are that way you know people have their friends they have their cliques they have their groups and for people coming in from the outside it's it's really difficult and and i got to say you know moving to the midwest uh i i really experienced this personally uh in that in in the coming from from the west people are not as settled okay um in that you have a lot of transiency, uh, a lot of people moving in and out, uh, moving different places, um, and and you do have settled you know communities and stuff like that. But uh, especially where we lived, uh, you had a lot of people with their second and third homes, vacation homes, uh, college town, just a lot of in and out. Uh, but here in the Midwest, you've got people who you know, they, they've never even left the state. They've never left the county. Uh, they've grown up with the same people all their lives. Uh, they know their friends. They know their friends' parents, their friends' grandparents, their cousins' uncles, and it's very, very tightly knit. And so I think that relationship carries over into the church, and people don't realize that for outsiders, uh, when I say outsiders, not just unbelievers who are looking for the Lord, but people who are transplants to the community or coming from a different church, um, they they are trying to get plugged in, but uh, the the relationships are so old and entrenched that it's hard for people to break into those groups. And uh, it's frustrating. And a lot of people who go to church wanting to connect with people and... Um, you know, frankly, they feel out of place and uh, sometimes not even really welcome. Uh, they're, they're kind of just, a, uh, uh, just a, a, a wallflower, I guess. Well, that's probably not the right term, but, you know, they're, they're, they're not connecting. They're there, but they're alone in, in a crowd of people. And those are those kind of things that really discourage, and people walk away they leave. Uh, Another big reason is people will do it for the kids. They'll go to church for the kids. They want their children to have a moral upbringing, a religious upbringing. So, you know, they get them into Sunday school. They take them to church. They take them to, you know, whatever children's programs they might have going on uh, and whatnot. But then when the kids are grown up and move on, then the parents do the same, you know. They they start uh, doing whatever they do, but church isn't on the radar anymore because it's fulfilled its purpose. And sadly, a lot of those kids also don't continue on in church life uh, because it's 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 served its purpose. It's given what the parents wanted, and that's just that religious uh, teaching and uh, some moral teaching, and and that's about it. And then. I think this is one of the biggest problems that we've got in the church today is consumerism. Uh, People shop for churches. They have the mindset of what can your church do for me? What kind of things do you have for me and my family? And this is something I think is really the fault of uh, churches and church leadership in that in an attempt to And get people to church. uh, We we have gimmicks, we have programs, we have attractions to get people in the door. Um, And don't get me wrong, you know it's it's okay to have programs, it's okay to uh, have fun activities. Um, That's that's not what I'm saying, but a lot of times the church will do things to get people in the doors, and. Again, these kind of things are not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but when programs and activities uh, take the place of Jesus and sound Bible teaching and worship and prayer, uh, something's wrong. And a lot of people will go for programs and activities. There was even one church I knew of years ago. One of the big selling points that they advertised was they served gourmet coffee. You know, come to our church. We have the best coffee in town. You know, that's not a reason to go to church. But again, we're advertising, we're marketing Christianity and Christ. And so people come to church with that consumer mindset. And if you don't give me the product that I want, or I'm not satisfied with your product, then I'm just going to go elsewhere and uh, find someplace else or something else that will satisfy me and give me what I want. So those, those are some issues of motivation of why people go to church. And then with those being motivations, when they don't satisfy and meet the standard that a person has, they get disappointed, they get discouraged, and they walk away from the church. Another reason people leave the church, and this is a huge, huge reason, is because they've been hurt by people in the church. They've been hurt by leadership. They've been hurt by the average churchgoers within a church. And I think this is one of the hardest things to address and deal with because when we're hurt by Christians, when we're hurt, In the church, those wounds go deep and they leave lasting scars and lasting pain. And we don't want to be in environments like that. We don't want to subject ourselves to more hurt, to more pain. And so people just leave the church and don't come back. See, we know that church is supposed to be a safe place. It's supposed to be a loving place. It's supposed to be a place to be real, to be vulnerable, and to bear one another's burdens, to take care of each other, to help each other. But uh, unfortunately, it's often a place of, uh, well, of masks, walls, condemnation, judgmentalism, gossip, and uh, even abandonment. And, and when I say abandonment, I mean people uh, will often just not know what to do to help another person or feel awkward about it, so rather than at least trying, uh, they just walk away. They don't engage, and they leave the person hanging. I, uh, I knew one person who uh, went to a church, and and, uh, you know, every Sunday morning it was the same thing. How are you doing? Oh, fine. How are things going? Oh, great. And you just hear that dialogue, and you, you know, you see it. You, you, we engage in it. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine, thanks. You know, how's your week going? Oh, it's all right. And it's, it's just this, you know, trite little uh, pleasantry that really doesn't carry any weight. And uh, this particular individual made the decision that they were going to say how they were really doing when they went to church the next, uh, next Sunday. And so they walk in and, you know, the usher's there. How are you doing today? I'm not doing well. I'm really discouraged. And the response, well, praise God, you know, it's really glad to have you here and, uh, you know, I hope you're blessed today at, at church. They didn't even listen to what the individual had just said it's just that little pleasantry you're really not paying attention and you really don't care necessarily it's just a way of greeting okay and then uh, the 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 morning went on how are you doing i'm not doing well at all i'm doing terrible and things like well you know it'll be better it'll be okay you just you just hang in there you know i'll be praying for you and so when the day was done, that person walked out of the church and they were discouraged and heartbroken that they really shared how they were feeling and nobody took the time to engage that, sit down with them and at least say, hey, can I pray with you about that right now? Or is there anything I can do to help you? Instead, it was just either brushed right over or not even noticed. And so when we have that kind of stuff going on, the The hurt there is just horrible, and why do we want to go to church if that's the kind of environment we're in? Or why do we want to even risk going to church when there's the potential of that happening to us? And and I know what that feels like, you know. Um, I've I've been there, where I've been hurt so badly by people who I thought you know really loved me. And uh, the, the thought of getting close to anybody uh, in church uh, was, was frightening because he didn't want to go through that again. And I think uh, a third major reason that uh, people leave the church is we know how church is supposed to be. And we know what it's supposed to look like, even un-Christian, uh, non-Christian people. They have a pretty good idea of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like and how Christians are supposed to live. And when we don't see that kind of thing, when, when church is not what we know it should be, it's discouraging. And we tend to just go, you know, I know there's something more, but I'm not finding it. And we just pack up, we leave because it's not what we need. So that leads us to the next thing. Okay, these are these are reasons why we we don't go to church anymore, why we leave or why we get discouraged and disappointed. But why are we supposed to go to the church? Why do we need to? And I think this is this is a big thing that's lacking People don't really understand why church is so important, church life. Um, One major reason is to give and to be given to, to build up and to be built up. See, as a body, the Bible calls us a body. And as such, the body has a lot of different moving parts, a lot of different members And each member, each part has to do its part in order for the body to be healthy and function properly. And that's everything from a leg, a foot, an ear, an eye, down to a cell, a gene, a DNA strand, an amino acid. Every part, no matter how big or how small, how visible or invisible, every single part is absolutely vital to the well-being of the body, and it's no different with the church. Every single Christian has been given at least a gift, if not more, by the Holy Spirit for the very specific person of using that to benefit the rest of the body. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Peter says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And this flies in the face of that consumerist mindset of of the church. Instead of, what can you give me? It's the attitude of, okay, This is the grace of God that's been given to me in the form of this gift. How am I going to employ that gift, use that gift to benefit others? And that's what Christianity uh, really is a lot about, is others-oriented. Jesus came for us. He gave himself for us. He serves us. And that's the way as uh, believers we're supposed to be as well. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, it talks in great length about the different kinds of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us and how they're supposed to be used and why they're supposed to be used so that the body of Christ can be built up and encouraged and strengthened. And I think Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 really drive this home, especially from the church leadership uh, uh, position on down. Uh, Chapter 11, or I'm sorry, chapter 4 of, of Ephesians 11 says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So you see how that works The church leadership has the responsibility, or these offices within the church, if you will, these gifts that are mentioned here, have the explicit purpose of equipping the believers to do ministry, use their particular gifts to build up the rest of the believers so that we're growing up into a mature Christian, a mature body of Christ that looks like Jesus. Uh, the problem is, is that a lot of Christians today are not mature. We have a lot of, of immature believers and it's, you know, I don't want to say it's not their fault because we're responsible uh, for our, our, our growth in the Lord and the Holy Spirit is able to help us grow in the Lord. But part of that growth is from church life. And so I would say that the bulk of the responsibility, I think, of of immature Christians is coming from the church because they don't equip the saints for the work of the ministry. They don't teach sound doctrine. They don't build people up. And so uh, this is why we need to go to church is so that we can be fed and built up Uh, and maybe you go to a church where the teaching is is pretty anemic and weak and you're not growing Um, then use supplements if you will okay if you're only getting an appetizer and you need a big meal well, you might need to supplement it with a, a, a meal at home. You know, that's one of those things for daily devotions. When you're in the Word with the Lord every day with Him, uh, that's where you're eating your daily ma- meals. That's where a lot of growth happens is when you and the Lord are together in the Word. But still, the church is key in helping that growth. Um Another reason why we need to go to church is because of worship. People gather together to worship things. And in America we have many many cathedrals that have been erected to the gods of sports. I mean, boy, you look at it, you know, Sundays you've got thousands of upon thousands of upon thousands of people flocking into these stadiums to enjoy and to worship and to glorify and praise their team you know and there's nothing wrong with enjoying sports or anything like that don't get me wrong but you know we we can come together to celebrate if you will a lot of different things but do we come together to celebrate the Lord to celebrate Jesus to praise him you know when when Christians get together and they have a heart to honor and glorify and bless God in song and in their voices and corporately lifting him up and celebrating him. There's power in that. There, you know, God is blessed and pleased with that. And we see in scriptures time and time again where praise and worship is an integral part of the moving of God in the midst of his people. He would even send at times the the worshipers out before the armies into battle. And really the, the battle would be won by the Lord before the army ever got there. But the focus was on God. And yes, we are to worship the Lord individually, but we're also supposed to worship the Lord corporately. And then prayer prayer is so important for us to be doing in church. And you might say, you know, know, can I pray anywhere? Yes, and we're supposed to. But we're also supposed to pray together and for one another in church. In Matthew chapter uh, 21 verse 13, uh, you know, this is one of those things, places where Jesus overturned the the money changers tables and and, uh, where they were selling uh, special uh, sacrificial animals and stuff and taking advantage of the people who were coming to worship God. And Jesus makes it very clear that God's house is to be a house of prayer. But they had made it a robber's den and are taking advantage of the people. And sadly, that still remains to this day. There are people who go to church and they're there to worship, and those in leadership are fleecing the flock, taking advantage of them. Um, that's discouraging. That's disappointing. It causes people to leave the church. Uh, but prayer is, is so vital. And when we think about prayer, we think about just generally asking God for things, but that's just a small part of it. Prayer is a dialogue communicating with the Lord. And it involves worship. It involves praise. It involves making requests. It involves thanking the Lord for things. It's all prayer. Any communication with God is prayer. And within the body, too, uh, we, we need to be praying for each other. And this is something you do not see hardly at all, I think, in churches today. I might be wrong, but at least in my experiences uh, over the years, uh, you, you don't see this where somebody's going through something and they need prayer and uh, they're at church and somebody says, well, I'll be praying for you. Or they put their name on the prayer list and you know it goes on to the prayer chain. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But what about... When you find out somebody's going through something, you sit down with them in a pew right there after church or before church. um, Or standing right in the middle of the foyer when people are leaving or coming in or whatnot and saying, hey, let's pray about this right now. It's addressing the issue. It's taking the moment and pouring into that person's life and speaking to God on behalf of that individual Uh, right then and there, and it's a blessing to that person. And other people see that kind of engagement and that care and that love. And can you picture what it would be like if you stepped into church and wherever you looked, you saw a person or a couple of people praying for somebody or each other. and, uh, And it's just everywhere you went, people were talking to God and interceding on behalf of one another. I mean, it would be incredible. It'd be wonderful. And and I've been to I've been to a couple of churches like that where you walk in and boom, there's somebody there. You don't know them, they don't know you, but they know that you've never been there before, or at least they've never seen you before. And they introduce themselves, how you doing and whatnot, and they're talking to you and they're getting to know you a little bit and you know you might say something that uh is going on and it's like well let's pray about it right now and then you know i i i, I was uh i was um doing some stuff where uh, our daughter was going to college and every once in a while uh i would go to pick her up and a church like that was where where she was at and uh, i'd walk in and i hadn't seen you know people there for you know maybe uh 2 3 months And as soon as I walk in the door, a couple of people recognize me and then boom, hey, how are you going? You know, what's going on still? And they they remembered what they prayed for me about. Those are those kind of things where it's like, man, it really blesses your heart and encourages you and makes you want to go to church. These are reasons why we need to be there. We need to use our gifts to serve each other and to be served by others. To worship the Lord together and to pray and seek God together. So, how do we fix these things? You know, all right, this is what we need to do and whatnot, but let's break it down. It's like, how do we fix this? Okay, and I think there's two different fronts that need to be addressed Um, one is the church leadership, and the other is the individual Christian within the church. How are we supposed to handle the problems and the issues? Uh, in in church life that cause people to be discouraged and disappointed and up and leave because, you know, why bother going? Well, as far as the church leadership is concerned, and when I talk about church leadership, I'm talking about, you know, teachers, pastors, elders, deacons, um people who have a position where they are taking care of the body, but especially, especially those in teaching positions and especially the pastors, okay? Um, they're supposed to equip the saints and a key element of equipping the body of Christ is to teach the Bible in a clear, deep, meaningful, and applicable way. you got to give people something to chew on, something that will nourish them and help them grow. So often in churches, they're given appetizers or TV dinners or a bag of spiritual potato chips that don't really have much nutrition and don't fill, and it leaves you hungry for something else, hungry for something more. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've heard it said that going to church on Sunday morning in the regular church service is not the place to go deep into the scriptures. That's reserved for Sunday school. If you want to go deeper into the Bible and learn more, go to Sunday school. I, I have a hard time with that. Okay. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. Um, but well, I'll tell you now, the, the reason is, uh, I've also heard it said that it's the serious Christians, the serious and committed people in the church who go to Sunday school, okay? So, if it's true that the serious Christians, the committed people in the church are the ones who go to Sunday school, okay, if that's true, and if it's in Sunday school where the deep Uh, deeper teaching of the Bible, uh, the more thorough teaching of Scripture is done, then that means only a few people within a church are getting sound, deep, fulfilling teaching. So what that means is the majority of the people who come to church, if they're only going to the Sunday service, that means they're only getting an appetizer. They're not getting something that is truly nutritious. It might have some nutrients. It will probably, to some extent, be be good. But it's not filling, and it's not satisfying, and it's not something you can really dig your teeth into and help you grow. And so when churches and pastors just give appetizers for sermons the body doesn't grow because the majority of the people will only come to church for that Sunday morning service, which means that their diet is very, very light. And many don't even get into the word for themselves throughout the week. So the reality of it is if we want to fix this issue, One of the key things is that pastors need to be teaching the Word of God in depth with applicability and clarity to the people from the pulpit on Sunday mornings so that they can take it, understand it, and apply it, and grow thereby. That's absolutely essential. Okay, When when you have sheep that are only getting light meals, starving sheep don't grow. Starving sheep don't reproduce. Healthy sheep grow. Healthy sheep reproduce. And that's why they need to be fed well from the pulpit on Sunday mornings. Another thing that needs to change is instead of trying to get people to come to church, we want people to come to Christ. Okay? So often I hear when I visit churches and and have gone church hunting, trying to find where God wanted me, is people talking about getting people to church and their programs and activities and things like that, but not necessarily coming to Christ. And see, if people are given the gospel, and people are getting saved and they're coming to Jesus Christ, they will come to church, okay? But I think the, the church as a whole has become so numbers-oriented. And that's how we view success is by how many people come or we, we have this idea that going to church uh, is, is really beneficial Uh, you can have a lot of people who go to church and still go to hell. There are pastors who are in church all the time, serving in church, and they're not Christians, and they're not going to heaven unless something changes. And so, and that sounds harsh, but, you know, if we're pushing church rather than Christ, we've got a problem. We've put the cart before the horse. We need to preach Jesus, and introduce people to Jesus. Yeah, that comes at church. It does happen at church. But most of the time that happens outside the church walls. Jesus didn't say, have people come. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we need to get our our, uh, focus straight on that. Another thing that's absolutely essential, and this is for leaders and for regular uh, church attenders, is to disciple people. There is very little discipleship within the church today. And when I say discipleship, it's more than just how to read your Bible, how to pray, why it's important to go to church, um, things of that nature, which is all important. But more than that, okay, it's how to apply the Word of God in our daily life. One of the most incredible things I saw in regards to discipleship was back when uh, I was uh, approached by a couple who asked me to uh, do their wedding. And they didn't go to the church, and I didn't know them. And I said, look, you know, uh, they were from out of town, but their family lived where, where the church was. And they said, uh, you know, we, we want you to do our wedding because all of our family is here and stuff, would you be willing to do it? And I said, you know, I, I don't marry a couple. I don't do their wedding until I've been able to go through uh, some pre-marriage counseling with them, or uh, I know that their church uh, has provided that for them, uh, because uh, it's it's really important for for marriages to succeed. And uh, they said, oh. We've, we've gone through our pre-marriage uh, counseling and all that, and we actually have uh, our marriage discipleship, and I'd never heard about this. So I contacted the pastor, and what this particular church does is not only do they do pre-marriage counseling, but they take a couple that's getting ready to be married and uh, put them with a couple that's been married for a long time, a couple that has weathered storms, and trials and are solid in their walks with the Lord. And so that experienced married couple takes the couple to be under their wing and gets together with them regularly and is in communication with them regularly, talking about the ins and outs of marriage and answering questions, and just getting to know each other, and and facilitating not only relationship, but helping that new couple navigate life as a married couple. And that's discipleship, putting the things of God into practice in our lives, where the more mature in the faith, or in their marriage, or whatever that may be, comes alongside and helps those who are at the point of entering in and needing to grow, and that's what discipleship is is all about. And there also needs to be discipline. And a lot of uh, leadership in churches uh, try to stay away from church discipline. And Christians as a whole don't want to confront when they see sin uh, because we're afraid Uh we're afraid of what people might say or think or how they might treat us if we address a sin and an issue that we see in their lives. Uh, church leadership, well, maybe, you know, if we're just loving, uh, it'll, it'll right itself or they're afraid that the people will leave the church And so then attendance drops and and then so does income. And, you know, we don't want that. We don't want to have a bad reputation of being unloving. And so it's all fear-based. Whereas the reality is that when there's sin in the church, it poisons the church. It hurts the people in the church. Jesus talks about this at length. He gives examples where, you know, he He talks about how the kingdom of God is like the mustard plant that grows big and uh, provides shade and the birds of the air fill its its uh its branches and uh, how the kingdom of God is like three loaves of bread where the person's put leaven into all three and it permeates the uh the leaven or how there's uh uh, the person who goes and plants wheat in their their field and then the enemy comes and plants thorns and briars and thistles and you don't see the difference until they they mature you know they grow a little bit and so what Jesus is telling us is there is there is sin in the body of Christ there is evil in the body of Christ there is garbage in the body of Christ and uh, and I say that because, you know, birds are a picture of evil when it comes to uh, visions, prophecy, uh, and parables, okay? Um, leaven is a symbol of sin. It's decay. It permeates everything. Uh, and then, of course, thorns and thistles and briars that, you know, look like wheat, but in the end you go, oh, no, you know, this is, this is not good. Uh, so, you know, it's there, but people go, well, You know, the Bible says we're not supposed to judge other people. And that's not true. That's not the case. What the Bible tells us is not to be judgmental. Okay? We're not supposed to be judgmental toward people where we look down on other people who are struggling with sin or dealing with issues in their life and we have this air of superiority and being more holy and more religious and a better person and we condemn them and we are critical of them and that is being judgmental and that is not what we're supposed to do. What Jesus tells us is, you know, if we're going to address the speck that's in our brother's eye, then we better address the plank in our own eye first. We're not going to be hypocrites and point out faults and failures and sin in somebody else's life when we've got stuff in our own lives. And it's not saying that we're supposed to be perfect, but we're not supposed to be judgmental and critical of others when we have our own sin to deal with too. And so Jesus says, look, first deal with the plank in your own eye then you'll be able to help your brother who has the speck and the scriptures tell us time and time again that we're supposed to bear one another's burdens and we're supposed to exhort each other and reprove each other where sin is concerned so that we can get on the right track with the Lord and not suffer the damage and the hurt and the garbage that comes along with sin in our lives and how it also impacts uh, the church. So, you know, we, we need to deal with things. And there's, there's so much sin that, that is a poison within the church. It's, just, it's everywhere. You have gossip. You have slander. You have immorality. You have bad doctrine, pride. You know, these things are rampant in much of the church today, but nobody wants to address it. We have to, and the leadership especially. And then how are individual Christians supposed to address these things? Okay. The first thing is check your motive. What is your motive for going to church or not going to church? Is it the right motive for going or the wrong? And if your motive is wrong and you're not going to church, then that needs to be rectified. You need to to figure out where God wants you. And that's, that's the next thing is, you know, where does God want you and why does he want you there? What church does he want you to go to? Because... God may want you there for a reason other than why you want to be there. You might want to go to church so you can be fed, that you might uh, be able to be blessed. But God may want you to go to a church where you're not really going to be fed and you're not going to get a lot of blessing as far as church attendance goes. But He wants you to use your gifts to be a blessing to that body. So rather than being given to, you're the giver. Or it may be that, you know, you you are used to being involved in church and, and being uh, really active and stuff, and God does not want you to be. He wants you to come out of the game and sit on the bench for a while. You need to be healed. You need to be comforted. You need to be strengthened and restored. So we need to understand where God wants us to go as far as the church is concerned and why he has us there so that we can pursue the things and do the things that he wants. If we don't, we're going to get disappointed and discouraged and want to walk away. Use your gift or your gifts. Encourage people. If that's your gift, if you have the gift of exhortation, you know, motivating people, use the gift. If you have the gift of teaching, use the gift. And that may not be Sunday school. It may not be behind a pulpit. It might be discipling people. It might be sitting down with somebody one-on-one over coffee and helping them grow in their marriage or in their uh, parenting skills or their understanding of the Bible there's a lot of ways to teach and a lot of avenues to teach. Maybe it's to speak God's message to somebody, the gift of prophecy, where God has a word for somebody and he tells you to give that word to them. God wants to use us. Maybe you've got the gift of administrations. Churches need that desperately. Organizational skills, administrative skills. It's important. Use it. Another thing that we need to do as Christians is to love. Jesus says in John 13:35, "By this, they will know that you're my disciples by your love, one for another." First John talks about love for the brethren as being a mark of being a Christian. When we love our brothers and sisters, we seek their good. We seek serving them and pouring into them. It's not easy a lot of times. It's got its challenges. But that's what a believer does. It's what Jesus does to us, and we're supposed to love one another with the same love that he loves us. And I think that's a really big issue also within the church is there's a lack of love. That love that seeks to better others at the expense of self, to value others and to pour into them because we live in a society that is self-centered, self-absorbed. And that carries into the church. And again, pray. Pray for people right then when you know there's a need. Seek the Lord on their behalf. Seek out people at church. Reach out to people at church. If there's somebody you've never met, go to them. Hi, how are you doing? How long have you been going here? Maybe even invite them out to lunch. Seek to connect with people because that's what body life is about, connecting. Jesus did that. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to reach out to us. And if we do these things, it will go a long way to help the church grow. I guess, again, it just boils down to basically this others, and being willing to serve the Lord by serving the body in whatever capacity and and form that may be unto the Lord. The world that we live in is hurting, and they're looking for hope, they're looking for answers, they're looking for love, they're looking for the things that the Bible says the church is all about. And what Jesus is and all about. But I think quite often they don't see that. And even as Christians, we don't see that within the church. And so, where does it begin? Well, we pray. We pray for our leaders, we pray for our pastors, we pray for the church administrators, the elders, the deacons, Sunday school teachers. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ and we seek to be a vessel through whom the Lord can work to build up his body. Those are good reasons to go to church. Not easy sometimes, but good reasons. And hopefully, in time, the body grows and we mature and we look more like Jesus. And we want to be in church because that's where love and life and worship and praise and strength and good meals are served up. It's a family. It's beautiful. Find out where God wants you, what he wants you to do, and fulfill your place in the body of Christ where that ever may be. And if you're struggling with hurt, And pain and disappointment and discouragement I would encourage you to pray for those that have hurt you forgive and just let the Lord bring healing he'll do it he understands I think Jesus may understand way more than we can comprehend because The very people that Jesus came to, his own people, the nation of Israel, he loved them. He wept over them. He wept over Jerusalem, longing to gather them under his wing, he said. They rejected him. They hated him. They despised him. Jesus knows what it's like to be hurt by the very people that he loves, by the very people that he serves. We hurt him, but he's faithful. And in that faithfulness, we grow, hopefully, and we're able to draw closer to him and grow in our relationship with him. So don't, uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't abandon church. Seek the Lord and let him use you wherever he places you. God bless you.